I'm really excited about what we've got to share today. And it's the start of a new series entitled Breaking Free. And I want you to take a moment just to reflect what is hindering your life right now? There may be some things that other people recognize or know, but there may be something just in your own heart that you go, I'm really caught up in this. It could be a sinful thing. It could be an emotional entanglement. It could be any number of things. But I believe with all my heart that God wants to set you free. And this series is designed to connect you to the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a self-help program, even though there are some things that you need to respond to. It's about connecting to the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ, who died to set us free. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, For you have been called to live in freedom. You have been called to live in freedom. It's such a powerful statement. And we've all been set free the minute we said yes to Jesus from the power of sin and his forgiveness flows over our lives. But there's often other things that entangle us, old habits, patterns of behavior, patterns of thinking. And the reality is, as we go through life, we accumulate stuff, junk, whether you look at some of these programs about clearing out your house, your garage, it is amazing how we accumulate stuff. And I know some of you are more professional hoarders than others. In my household, Linda has a thing, if in doubt, chuck it out. So I try to make myself as useful as possible. Less, you know what I'm saying. But, but even despite that, there's still things you just think, why are we keeping this? What's this about? And whether it's the issue of decluttering or the issue of picking up emotional baggage along the way, we all carry stuff, pick up stuff through life. And we don't often just take time to say, I need to get rid of this excess baggage. I need to declutter my life, maybe physically in some areas, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, speaking to followers of Jesus, he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus. Again, Jesus at the very center of what sets us free. But I want you to notice, he says, it's not just sin that weighs you down. It's other weights, other things that attach to your life. And maybe the thing that's holding you back in God is not a sinful thing. It's just an unhelpful thing, excess baggage. And so I'm going to take a few moments initially to identify some of the baggage. I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list. And I'm sure one or two of you have some really special things that I'm saying that a little bit tongue in cheek. We all have our own stuff. But here are some of the big things. Things that you're carrying on your journey through life that you shouldn't be carrying, but you are. The first thing, and I think this is a big one, is unfulfilled expectations. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. One translation calls it unrelenting disappointment. And many of us have expectations of ourselves, expectations of other people, and they often don't even know what our expectation of them is. 
So they don't know whether they can say, yes, I can do that. No, I can't. But we end up being disappointed because they don't deliver to us what we need from them. And some of us even have unrealistic expectations of God. And that may sound strange, but we're expecting him to do things or to be something that he's never committed to be or to do for us. And we kind of think just because I'm following Jesus, everything in my life will just be perfect. When in fact, the opposite is true. Often in the very act of following Jesus, there's more pressure from other areas, more things that go wrong, more things that can happen. And Jesus said that in John 16, verse 33, he says, in this world, you will have total peace, tranquility, and nothing else will ever go wrong in your life. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And you're going to have trouble whether you're a follower of Jesus or you don't yet follow him. Life has a way of just creating trouble in our life. Sometimes we're the cause of it. But Jesus says, but take courage, take heart. I've overcome the world. I've got a way forward for you. The second one is untreated pain. So unrealistic expectations, but untreated pain. I came across this brilliant quote, I think it was just this week, by a follower of Jesus, Rabbi Jason Sobel, who said, Unhealed trauma is the source of most drama. God wants to heal your trauma so you don't have to live with the drama. And many of us carry pain in our hearts. It might go all the way back to childhood. It might be something very recent. It might be something that happened a few years ago. It might be something that you weren't aware of, but suddenly it's emerged and you realize that thing really had a bigger impact on me, that experience, that rejection, whatever the case may be. And if something in your life needs healing, bring it to Jesus. Don't pretend it's not there. God actually rebuked Israel's leaders in the book of Jeremiah through the prophet Jeremiah for glossing over stuff, pretending everything was right when it actually wasn't. And he kind of accuses them of being like physicians, putting bandages over severe wounds of cancer and pretending because I can no longer see it, it's no longer killing me. And he puts it this way, my people are broken, shattered, And they put on band-aids saying, it's not so bad. You'll be fine. But things are not just fine. And maybe that's dawning on you. There are things in your life that are not fine. I'm not saying everything's out of control, but there's this thing that keeps coming up. So unfulfilled expectations, untreated pain, unresolved past. Getting past your past is often the biggest obstacle you will face. There are things out of our past experience, a painful experience, an extreme trial, some hurtful words that were spoken over you, a person that's done something to you, and they may even be oblivious to what the impact on your life is. But God's a healer, and there's so many references to this. But look at Psalm 147 and verse 3, and I believe this is a real word to bring hope to people today. He heals the wounds of every shattered heart if you come to him. 
He heals the wounds of every shattered heart. Psalm 103 celebrates God's goodness. And I'm reading it from a more modern translation. But some of you will recall, bless the Lord, O my my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Here's just an up-to-date kind of modern rendition of that. Yahweh, the covenant name of God. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You healed me inside and out from every disease. I just love the poetic nature of this coming out of the book of Psalms. You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. There are people here that need to receive that kind of forgiveness from God. People watching online that need to receive that kind of forgiveness from God. You healed me inside and out. And so we can deal with unfulfilled expectations, untreated pain, unresolved past, but all of this can lead to an unhealthy self-image. And an unhealthy self-image is a problem that breaks into all our other relationships. If we don't feel loved and accepted, if we don't feel comfortable with who we are, I'm not saying that any one of us at any moment in time are perfect. That's not the aspiration. The aspiration is to come to the place that in Christ, I am happy with who I am, who he created me to be. And out of that quiet confidence, this is not an ego thing, but a quiet assurance, I engage with others. I step confidently into my world. Because if you don't see yourself as God sees you, it's difficult to treat somebody else in the way that God wants you to treat them. I remember hearing many, many years ago, somebody saying, why don't you just stand in front of the mirror? Some of you stand in front of it a little bit too long, but I'm talking about standing in front of it with a purpose. Stand in front of a mirror. Some of us, that moment, we don't like it because what we see looking back at us is somebody that we say, you're a failure. You're not good enough. You're not loved. You're, not, you're rejected. But they said, look in the mirror and quote these words from the Psalm. Psalm 139 and verse 14. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Again, this is not a statement of ego. This is not a statement that says I'm perfect and I I don't have any room for improvement. But this is something that goes to the very core of our being that says, God, I thank you that you created me and you created me wonderfully and I'm created in your image. I have value. I have significance. I have something to give both to you in worship and to others in love and in kindness. Does your soul know that God loves you just as you are? Does your soul know that God accepts you just as you are? Does your soul know that God has created you for a plan and a purpose? Does your soul know that God hasn't given up on you? Does your soul know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God? The fifth thing that can 
cause these issues that become excess baggage. Obviously, unfulfilled expectations, untreated pain, unresolved past, an unhealthy self-image, but unconfessed sin. And it's not kind of popular nowadays to talk a lot about sin. And when I talk about it, it's not to beat you up, to pronounce judgment on you. But I think one of the problems in our modern day society is we've sanitized sin. We've explained it away. And yet sin breaks us. We don't break the laws of God, somebody said. We break ourselves upon them. And sin breaks us. And it's the very reason Jesus came to die for us. So he could heal that. So he could forgive that. And when we fail to acknowledge sin as sin, we're just band-aiding something. We're covering it over. David got himself into trouble with a number of pretty extreme sinful things that he did. And he says, my iniquities have gone over my head. He says, I feel like I'm drowning in guilt. I feel like I'm drowning in shame, like a heavy burden, they're too heavy for me. And he goes on in the psalm to discover the sweetness of God's kiss of forgiveness. I love something that Tim Keller said about the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. I love that. That's the good news. We are more sinful than we ever dared believe or recognize. But at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. The sixth thing, and like I said, this is not an exhaustive list, is other people's baggage is that people dump stuff on us. I, I love the Peanuts cartoons. And Charlie Brown is standing near a vacant housing lot, an empty block. And all the kids walk past and throwing stones at it into the lot. And he asked them, what are you doing? And he said, I'm get, they said I'm get, we're getting rid of our frustrations. And then there's this moment in Malone Museum and he says, Sometimes I feel like a vacant lot. In other words, he's saying, people are always throwing things at me. And as a follower of Jesus, compassion and empathy is something that we are called upon to extend to others. We are called upon to help others carry their burdens. But nowhere are you asked to claim somebody else's luggage, excess baggage. And sometimes people in their pain and they hurt dumb stuff in us and we end up carrying something God never asked us to carry. We're not designed to carry. Paul says in Romans 15 verse 1 or 2, we must not please ourselves. He's talking about having a heart for others in the context, ministering to those who are struggling, who are weaker in an area. He said we should help others do what is right. And he has the key and build them up in the Lord. Jesus is the only real burden carrier. You're not meant to carry your own burdens by yourself. You're not meant to carry other pe others' people. We've got to grow into a place of maturity where we find freedom in Christ and find Him as the great burden carrier for our lives 
and for the lives of others. So as we go on into the series, I want to just lay down four very simple foundational truths that are critical to us walking in freedom. The first thing is God will convict me. You said, couldn't you start with something nicer? No, but if we don't start with honesty before God, if we don't start with the reality of who we are, what we've done, what we carry, then we can't find freedom. We're like those leaders in Israel putting a band over a cancerous wound and just because you can't see it pretending it's okay when it's not. And so God will convict us. We cannot keep sanitizing and explaining our way from sin and expect to be set free. John Piper, just in terms of a definition of sin, is sin is any feeling or thought or speech, speech or action that comes from a heart that does not treasure God over all other things. When I read that, I, I found conviction in my own heart and reassessing of other things that encroach. It doesn't say you can't love these other things. Some things you ought not love, they are sinful. But it says ultimately sin is any time, any moment where God is not first in your life, where Jesus is not Lord in your life. And that's a constant challenge for every single one of us. See, again to this thing, if we don't allow God to convict us about what's wrong, we can never find the way to freedom. The beloved apostle, John puts it this way in his epistle. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and he has a key thought, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's in that moment of honesty, of admitting to God, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I need help. God will convict you. Secondly, you need to understand through this whole journey and beyond, God still loves you no matter what has gone on or is going on in your life. Regardless of what you've done or what you're doing, God still loves you. Jesus put it this way, uh, and I'm reading from the message, which is a paraphrase, but I love the directness of this, and it's true to the original translation. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He didn't send his son just to point the finger at us. He sent his son to help us. And it's in the context of that amazing passage, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Those words are true 2,000 years ago when Jesus uttered them, and they're true today for you to say yes to Jesus. I love the story of the prodigal son, and I, I'm, I don't have time to drop into it, but it is the story of humanity. It's the story of brokenness. It's the story of rebellion, but it's the story of forgiveness and a heavenly father who loves unconditionally. It's been said that it's the greatest story ever told. 
And this son who is rebellious and goes to a far country, wastes an inheritance, is in the process of destroying his life, comes to his senses and goes back to his father, admitting he's a sinner. He's got a little speech. Father, forgive me for I have sinned against you and against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called a son. And so he returned to his father with these words in his mouth. And while he was still a long, long way off, his father saw him coming and stood on the front veranda with his arms folded to communicate as much condemnation and judgment as humanly possible. No, it doesn't say that. And Jesus is telling the story. He's telling us about the heart of God. When we decide we're going home, And the best we can ever do as we turn around is to be a long way off from God. If He doesn't move, we never get there. But the Father runs to meet us, filled with love and compassion. He ran to His Son, embraced Him and kissed Him. The kiss of forgiveness, the kiss of freedom. The third thing is that God can free me. Jesus invites you to come to him so he can set you free. And we're going to reaffirm this. But just look at this statement of Jesus in 11, Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, the excess baggage, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm going to come back to that through the series, but I want you to notice, we're used to hearing the declaration, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But it's the truth as it is in Jesus. If you hold to my teachings, if you're really following me, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the final thing is that God will restore me. God will convict you. God will convict me. God still loves me no matter what's going and God can set me free. But God, and this ties to our theme for the year, I will restore you. God will restore me. Psalm 71 verse 20 to 21. You will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. You will restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. I want you to notice something in this passage. The first thing that God wants to do is to restore you to life. Then he wants to restore things, restore you to a place of honor, bring comfort to your life. We often reverse that. God, I need these things. I need this honor. I need this position. He says, no, I need to start off by restoring your life. And Jesus is the great restorer. He forgives, he transforms, and he has the power to set you free. For you, brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus, have been called to freedom.